Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. DJ Mark is here. Hey. Lavender Gooms is here. Hello. Kid Presentable is here. How's everyone doing? Kid Presentable, would you like to adjust your uh, fight that we never saw? The, best, the, the the fight that we always wanted that we never got to see, whatever the hell we did last week, memoirs thing? Oh, yeah. Just... I think the uh, updated rankings are uh, Tony and Khabib has now vaulted to the top of this list. Uh, what was that? Fourth time is not the charm? Yeah, folks, um, let's talk about it, man. It happened uh, real quick. Cool. I mean, we'll get into this fight card because, goddamn, it's still awesome. But uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, right, guys? Yeah, it was. of course it was. It was on fucking April Fool's Day. Uh, Ariel Hawani reports, Brett Okamoto was told by Dana White, um, that Tony Ferguson blew his ACL out and didn't just blow it out. He ruptured that shit, and it's off the bone. Uh, marking the fourth time we have canceled Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, a couple of thing, a couple of uh things that have fallen out of this. One is that, in addition to Conor McGregor getting stripped, uh, Tony Ferguson is getting stripped, which I actually want to save the discussion for that until next week because we'll better. I want it to actually happen first. These strippings, so we can actually. Let's make sure this shit happens, and it'll give us more time to get into what exactly is happening in this nutty weight class. But um, on that end, but um, stepping in is uh, Max Holloway, um, the UFC 145-pound champion, stepping in to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov on six days' notice. Uh, apparently, uh, Max Holloway said we should fight at 170, and then the UFC insisted there be a belt on the line because belts for everybody. Um, also, I think they could have, they could have given him a belt at 170. I mean, I, just take uh, just take, take that, the champion's belt at that week. I was gonna say, just give him that Covington RDA belt. They already made it. It's happening soon enough. Put it up there. Um, so Max Holloway flying in from Hawaii, a man who couldn't fight four weeks ago, who may or may not need surgery. That shit never got cleared up, and is having the biggest weight cut he's ever had, allegedly, according to his nutritionist, George Lockhart. Um, is gonna fight um hashtag Khabib time, twenty-five and zero. Um immediate reaction, Mike. I'm pretty sure you didn't think this was real for the entire time I was telling you because it was April Fool's Day, right? <laughs> I I didn't think it was real until about maybe eight PM, nine PM last night. Because let's also remember yesterday. Elon Musk made an April Fool's joke that Tesla was bankrupt, uh, not knowing that his words have power and the stock of Tesla actually plummeted until it was discovered it was an April Fool's joke. So that's to say that people are getting really inventive and, you know, they're starting to commit really with their April Fool's jokes. This is bullshit, man. Like, can we not have nice things in life? I mean, look, I think... uh... We also got the breaking news that uh, we just happened about an hour ago uh, where it uh, looks like Matt Brown blew out his ACL a week out from fighting um, 
a week out from fighting Carlos Conant, which was, quite frankly, going to be a goddamn banger. Um, and I think, I'm trying to find this quote I read, which, yeah, um, it's Dave Doyle from MMA Fighting who said, man, what if we, how about we just have a big group rethink about how the entire sport of MMA is structured? Because, Jesus Christ, we are, we have lost three main events. There's been four pay-per-views so far this year, and the main event for three of them didn't make it to the pay-per-view. Um, yeah, let me go to you, Steph. Um, neither of us, I don't think, are that spiritual, to be honest, but I believe in the MMA gods, and has this fight been fucking cursed? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you... we. The thing that seemed most like an April Fool's joke to me was not that this injury happened, because I think we uh, we've all kind of been quietly dreading that it was going to happen. It's when I read how it happened, and that's why I need to see footage of this. Like by all accounts, Tony was just walking, and some dude said hi to him, and he turned too suddenly. Like, yeah, he was on he was on set at the Colin Cowherd show. I guess. I mean, you just I guess that just means you can't surprise people. You know, you got to stay in the yeah. periphery. And like him from the front, like, and, yeah. I don't know how he turned so suddenly that it just completely devastated his knee. But I mean, everybody gets a good amount of fun looking at uh, at the videos of Tony Ferguson lifting weights, where it looks like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and he's gonna snap every bone in his body. The videos of him kicking a pipe, that was that was fun. But Jesus Christ, I mean, Marcus, of all the ways, I mean, last time we lost this fight to Teramisu, this time. <laughs> I mean, the guy saw somebody, made a quick movement, and his shit tore off the bone. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, playing more into the uh, April Fool's aesthetic here. That that injury just sounds made up and just of a practical joke nature. But I think um, given the spirit of the holiday, um, you have to realize that this is April Fool's. We are the fools. Thinking <laughs> this fight would ever come to fruition. That was where we made our biggest uh, mistake. Dude. Um, and I mean, and and I think this this isn't. I I wouldn't say this is as bad as the Teramisu incident because we were closer, right? And did they were they able to find Tony? Is that when he fought? He no, fight they Kevin Lee in that they fight. tried they to they right? tried to tell they offered Tony half of his paycheck to fight uh, Kevin Lee right. that night. And he said, and, "Fuck it," and he's like, "Fuck you! Why am I? Why are you offer me half my money?" Right. He's so I mean, th this one it, it's it, it is still bittersweet because I still want to see this fight and. The I think Dana said on some interview that he's not interested in booking the fight again, and I understand that sentiment because we have gone through this so many times. And it's if they do book it again, I can't allow myself to get excited until they're literally in the octagon. Because this injury reminds me so much of Kevin Randleman stumbling on the entrance to the octagon where he tripped, fell, cut himself, and was not able to fight. Um, so it's going to be hard to himself out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to promote this fight again if if they go that route but on paper it's still extremely interesting and intriguing but the the silver lining really is that you know max holloway coming up on short notice this fight is still extremely intriguing so while it sucks we're not getting what we wanted while it sucks that this really weird stupid injury is just like making a division that's already confusing um even more so now that like everyone's getting stripped and like it's just it's just kind of madness but you know at the end of the day come saturday night we're gonna have an interesting main event um you know fingers crossed because we're not there yet and i yeah. still can't fully I mean, get look, committed because habib's got to make the scale 
Is it bad? Is it bad that I'm not convinced? I'm, I'm more confident Max is going to make weight than Khabib. I, I mean, I'm not like I wasn't concerned about Max making weight because I didn't hear about this 170 thing. <laughs> That's a little alarming, but you know, it, it's it's going to be tough. You know, it is tough if you're not actively training for a fight and getting your weight down. And his manager is trying to make deals to fight at 170. I think that says a lot about where he was at weight weight right. Rise uh, wise, right? Because if he was close to being able to make 155, they probably wouldn't have even went that that direction. But he's obviously not, so it's going to be a lot of cutting really quickly. And you know how that's going to perfect his performance. You know, we won't know until we see it. Well, but you know, these are all let... interesting things that that come to picking the fights, which we're going to get to shortly. So, yeah, I mean, shit. Let's just get into it, man. Let's uh, let's pick some goddamn fights because this card is awesome. And quite frankly, after we pick these fights, we want to make mention of a couple of these undercard fights because that I'm excited to watch. Um. Marcus, let's go to you. Is it going to be Khabib time? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's still a really competitive fight, but uh, I'm I'm going with Habib mostly because a lot of the X factors I think surround Max, right? Like he wasn't training for a fight; he has to make a big weight cut. Um, at the same time, though, we, we know that Max can win this fight, and we know the 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 areas where Habib is weak and can be you know potentially exploited, and those are areas that Max is really good at. The stand up, I mean, Max's stand up is you know, of the highest caliber, what he's doing with his footwork, with his uh, stance switching. And he also does a lot of interesting things with his hands, not just throwing punches, but grabbing the other opponent's hands, moving the, the wrist away to throw punches and, and create openings that way too. These are all fairly advanced techniques that we've seen. Habib just doesn't really have that complexity to his striking. He's a guy that likes to throw a big overhand right and shoot for a double. Um, and then obviously we know once Habib gets you in a clinch, if this happens to Max, it's going to be a difficult night. You know, Max has fantastic takedown defense, um, but no one, no one's able to stop Habib. You know, is Max, does he have the caliber of wrestling and clinch work to stop Habib? I mean, maybe he's really good at anti-wrestling and he's come, you know, leaps and bounds in his last couple of fights. So I think it's completely possible that maybe he's going to be able to negate some of the clinch work and get out, you know, try to circle out and not get caught up against the cage. But if he gets up against the cage, if he gets taken to the ground, it's going to be gnarly for Max. You know, this is Habib's world. He's the best in the world at what he does down there. So uh, I'm just more comfortable at the guy that's been fighting at 55 that doesn't have to make these drastic changes in a short amount of time. Um, and I, I think Max and Tony, they're different fighters, but they have a lot of the same strengths. They're kind of lengthy guys that like to use boxing, but are also, you know, really skilled on the bottom. So um, I don't think the fight changes too, too much for Habib. Um, but Max has to deal with a guy that's an incredible top tier, maybe one of the best ground fighters in the world. So I think it's a lot to take on in short notice. I'm a little more comfortable with Habib, but man, what a tough fight to pick. Yeah, so Habib time out of Marcus. Um, Stefan, what do you think? Um, I'm agreeing with that. I've kind of long held that Khabib is the uh, he's, he's the king in waiting. He's been the king in waiting for a long time at the peak of Conor Mania. I still always said in the back of my mind, when Khabib gets that shot, it's his belt. It has always been his belt. Um, that said, you know, for everything Mark said, it's it's the same way as with Tony. Is if Khabib was to lose to Tony or uh, now Max Holloway in this case, it's very it's very you can see it, right? You know, it's when Ortega knocked out Frankie, we couldn't see it, we couldn't fathom it. If Max was to get a sub or a knockout, you can see it happening, right? The, the possibilities there, like but like Mark said, there's just too many X factors of the time, possible injury. You know, not a full camp. Um, you know, it, it all leans in Khabib's favor. And, you know, he's not the type of guy... I just The only thing I'll say about Khabib, he's not the type of guy who really... I don't think he has to get up for an opponent. 
I think he goes in against every opponent. I don't think there's not going to be a letdown with him is what I'm saying is he goes in and he knows what he's going to do to a guy. He's the epitome of that. I don't train for fighters. I just go in and assert my will and they have to train for me. So it's his time. All right. Two for Khabib. Mike, you, uh, you join the train there. My analysis is basically the same as Steph and Mark. It's six days away. Um, it's amazing that this is going to be considered his hardest weight cut, uh, Holloway. That's going to be his hardest weight cut, but he's still fighting 10 pounds above what he normally fights at. Uh, that's going to tell me, that tells me that he's going to come into the ring with definitely not the best of cardio. And Max might be the more skilled fighter all, all around when it comes to his uh, stand-up technique and a lot of other little things. But while Habib's wrestling, the technique itself is actually very basic. Those basic moves he does at level 100. And I haven't seen yet, and I don't think we're going to see this Saturday someone who can actually stay on the ground once Habib gets his hands on you. Uh, I really like Max Holloway, but I don't see any way he can win this fight because... I don't see any way that Habib doesn't get his hands on him. Um, so a couple things for me. Um, I really, okay. You take away the six days thing. I think I would just pick Max. Um, I think he's well-rounded enough to pull this off. Habib gets hit by fucking everybody. And then you go flying. Um, the weight cut thing. And I don't think he's healthy, man. I really don't think Max is healthy. I think four weeks ago he couldn't fight, and I between that and the weight cut, and like they didn't, they were saying that he's not going to fight Ortega till like July or August, man. Like that's, I don't, I think he might be getting a check here, and he's fucking laying his nuts on the line and props to him, but I, I yeah, I don't want, I really want Khabib to lose. I think Khabib's an excellent fighter, but I don't really like his getting money from warlords shit. And his buddy who's bankrolling his life just got arrested for embezzling $35 million. So that might be on his mind. But, I was going to uh, ask you, like, why you whoa. wanted him to lose. And then the warlord thing, I was like, okay, that's legit. Look, in the cage, I fucking love Khabib. And quite frankly, his interviews are funny, most of them. Um, I like when he called himself the Dagestani cowboy, even though I don't think he knew what a cowboy meant. It still made me laugh. Him beating the shit out of Michael Johnson while saying... You must quit. I must fight for a title now. It was like some of the most gangster <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Honestly, like, but I don't really have a big fan of this fucking crazy Russian slash whatever the hell's going on in Eastern Europe slash or Asia and Eastern Europe thing influence on MMA. But so I'd love for Max to win because Max seems like the greatest guy in the world. He just seems awesome. And his nutty fucking ties that are gold and platinum. And, you know, he keeps saying because it is what it is. But six days, I, I Khabib. I'm going Khabib. Mm. Um, co-main event, um, Rose Namajunas defending her championship against Joanna Champion, or Joanna former champion, Joanna Janjacek. This fight's managed to fly, to just, you know, fly under the radar due to the nonsense of the two guys in the main event, or one guy's no longer in it. Um, Rose fucking smoked Joanna. Uh, knocked her out back in November. Um, the night we ground three champions in New York City. 
Again in New York, Mike's not going. We're really questioning Mike's fandom at this point. His girl Rose is on the card too. Um, she knocked her out in three minutes. You're, you're, you're questioning uh, Mike's bank account, I think, really. Yeah, that's really it, to be honest. Uh, I uh, Yolanda spent the last six months pretty much telling everybody this was a fluke. She only lost because of the weight cut, and that's why she got knocked out. And uh, I don't buy that shit. And uh, I didn't even – by the way, we didn't even talk about the odds for the last fight. What was it, Steph? Uh, let me pull that up. Um, minus 500 to be – they're not liking Max's chances on short notice at plus Yeah. Eight. What are we doing for this one? This, um, this is really close, and Joanna, cha- former champion, is the slight favorite at minus 120. A lot um, of people in Vegas think it was a fluke. I think um, I've always been big Joanna Monjen, Jacek Mark. I picked her to wait, beat Carla based on giving an expired cookie to her, for the love of God. Um, I, uh, I don't like – she better win, man. Like, she better fucking win the amount she's talking about blaming this on the weight cut. Because if she goes out there and gets smoked again, it's a bad look, and I think she's going to lose. I think Rose is – I think her bullshit doesn't work on Rose. Rose is not intimidated. She just stares right at her. Joanna's trying to be a bully, and Rose doesn't care. And it reminds me of um, a lot of the Anderson and Chris Weidman stuff where Chris Weidman just didn't care. He just kept throwing punches while Anderson danced. And um, kind of like how Holly Holm could give a shit about anything Holly, Ronda, about Ronda Rousey's aura. You just, you, you're not in there with the legend. You're in there with a person, and they have holes. And Joanna doesn't like going backwards. And Rose made her go backwards and then knocked her out. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Rose doing it again. What do you think, Steph? Uh, I'm in the same boat. Um, when Joanna lost, there was a comeuppance to it. She was reaching those Connor levels of hubris. You know, like they really thought they were untouchable. Not quite Connor coming after a song where the lyric is literally, I am the God. Uh, but Joanna was up there, right? She... She really thought she was everything, and that that's also kind of what left a sour taste in, for me with her over these last few months was her, she made a lot of excuses. Um, the best way to handle a loss is to be humble about it, you know? And that's why Connor rebounded. Connor rebounded because he was fucking humble about the losses. He ate it. He, he took them. He took them on the chin, so to speak. Uh, Joanna hasn't, and Rose is how she won. Um, it was It was systematic. It was clean. It's it's kind of like when we were breaking down Robert Whitaker's upcoming rematch with Yoel Romero. The manner in which he won was so cleanly decisive to me. I don't know what the other fighter can do differently besides land a strike that they weren't landing. Um, I like Rose's confidence, um, and she's a champion we need. She's that humble, like loving champion we need in this era. So um, keep that train going. Um, Mike, I. I think I missed most of what you said, Bob, because uh, of my great internet. Who did you pick? I picked Rose, and Steph joined us, joined me. Both of us basically saying we don't think it was just a weight cut. <laughs> I I don't think it was just a weight cut either. Um, I think that she just had a bad night. Uh, I don't know why that's such a horrible thing for her to say. Um, before that fight. Uh, I think one of my favorite sayings was to say, 
keep my girl Rose away from Joanna because I thought Joanna would just destroy her as she's done most of the women in this division. Um, I do think it was a, I do think it was a bad night just for Joanna. She, uh, and I think a night of her making, um, she was extremely much cockier than she normally was leading up to that fight. And I think she just took Rose uh, for granted. I think like all of us did, even me, Rose's biggest fan, uh, I think amongst the four of us even took her for granted. Uh, but I think she goes in there. She, it's not like she's old. Um, Joanna is what, 29 or 30. Um, so it's not that she's over the hill. Uh, I think her game plan was just all messed up going into that night. Um, I don't think she gets caught like she did last time. So, uh, I think she systematically breaks Rose down uh, for five rounds. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I've this is the fight I've had the hardest time wrapping my head around because <laughs> I'm gonna pick Joanna and I feel like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and especially, um, you know, uh, Bob, when you were kind of breaking it down, I agree with a lot of the things you said, and mostly with Joanna doesn't like going backwards, right? Like she just doesn't have the temperament, or really even like. She likes skills. to be the bully in general. She does. Like, and, and she does good when she's leading the charge and she's the one cutting off the, the octagon. And she didn't do that against Rose. You know, Rose got in her face and didn't let up and, you know, was able to catch her twice with uh, strong left hooks. And then even what Stefan said, you know, when you, you can kind of look at this fight kind of like you do with uh, Whitaker and Romero, like Rose went in there and beat Joanna at her game, which is stand up. You know, she went there in there and just took the belt from her. Um, and, and there's like, I have a big gut feeling that like Rose might just be the better fighter, but just given what Joanna had been able to accomplish the caliber of opponents that she was able to dispatch. And, you know, I think a lot of the girls that she fought Rose would have a tough time with, but you know, the styles make different fights and the improvement Rose had shown in her standup in, in her first fight with Joanna was spectacular, you know, and I almost wish Rose didn't have to jump right back in against Joanna because I think it's a really tough fight. Um, but she might be able to do it again. And there's just something, you know, you go with your heart or your head and there's just something in my head saying like, I think Joanna's going to be able to get it back, but my heart's definitely with Rose. I agree with Steph too. Like I think of the champion, she's someone that you can kind of have little girls look up to a little bit more with the message that she has that, you know, the belt doesn't mean anything. It's just about, you know, living your life and to the fullest and, you know, going after your dreams and stuff like that. I mean, she has a very inspirational kind of message and I, her relationship with Pat Barry is awesome. I just watched the, uh, the first embedded episode and they're just such an adorable, cute couple. Like you want to see them get more of the spotlight because these are kind of the, the kind of personalities and personas that I, I think is good for the sport. Like this is a difficult, you know, violent sport, but inside, you know, the mayhem and the violence, like there are a lot of really amazing relationships that come out of it. And I think Rose and Pat Barry is one of them. And I think she's a great champion. I think, if she doesn't win on Saturday night, Rose will hold that belt again. You know, uh, she's just she's someone that we've always had our eye on as an up and coming talent that really just she came into her own against that first fight against Joanna, and she might be able to do it again. You know, and this could be the beginning of a long uh, championship run. But I don't know. I'm just not comfortable thinking Lightning's going to strike uh, strike twice necessarily. Um, so I'm going with Joanna, but I don't feel comfortable about it. I don't feel good about it. It's not a good right. pick. All right, we got split on that one. Um, Steph and I with Roast, Mike and Mark with uh, Joanna. Um, Steph, I'm going to go to let me just and let me just add. I really do hope Rose wins. You're like me. I You're picking hope. one person, hoping the other person wins. Uh, yeah. Real hedge uh, your bets, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
Stefan, um, I'm going to go to you on this one. We're not picking the Hanato Moicano fight, people, because, quite frankly, we probably should know who, you, who he is, but we don't have enough to really give you a thoughtful explanation of that, so we're just going to skip that, and hopefully he leaves a lasting impression in either him or Calvin Qatar, so we can discuss them next time. I was going to say, we're you gonna... drop in uh, Moicano's name, but he is the underdog in that fight. Calvin Qatar is the minus Well, I mean, I'm page. going with the one that has a Wikipedia page, so. Um, Michael Chiesa... Anthony Pettis, um, I think we all know what the type of fighter Michael Chiesa is, Stefan. Anthony Pettis, uh, has not, things have not gone well s- pretty much since he beat, uh, Gilbert Melendez three years ago. Um, g- we got this fight at, it looks like a, mi- a minus 140 for Chiesa, plus 120 for Anthony Pettis. What do you think, man? What do you, what do you got, what do you got happening in this one? Oh, man, I just, I stopped believing in the Pettises, the brothers. I mean, granted, Sergio's been doing decently solid, but it's uh, it's kind of like that thing where a lot of people in their head perceive Nate and Nick Diaz to be the same person. I'm kind of the same way with the Pettis brothers. Um, but, yeah, it's by all accounts, this is the type of guy Pettis should beat because he's just more athletic than. Um, Kiesa, not that he fights like Kenny Florian, he just to me is he's there's a certain fighter that is they're the school of maximum effort. They are very average guys who have pushed themselves to the best they can possibly be, and that's what I, I believe Michael Chiesa is. Whereas Anthony Pettis should have a singular athleticism that makes him transcend. But like we said, it, it, a lot of it's the mental game with him. Um, and for all that, I, I just never am comfortable picking Anthony Pettis against anyone. Um, Chiesa, he he had a good run himself till uh, he lost a lot of that shine against Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee would smoke the hell out of Anthony Pettis as well. So, um, yeah, I just look at Chiesa to – he's a grappler, and the Pettises historically struggle with strong grapplers. So um, I don't know that he'll get the finish, but I'll take Chiesa in this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't need to give you any more analysis about this. I'm going to take um... – Michael Chiesa too. Um, I don't think Anthony Pettis is yet at Johnny Hendricks levels because I don't think anybody has ever reached Johnny Hendricks levels of falling apart. But ah man, it just seems like it's between his ears more than anything else with Anthony. And if he can get his head right, he should run through Michael Chiesa. But I need to see it. I need to see that fight where he just gets his shit right and knocks a guy out. Maybe it's this one, but I'm picking Chiesa. Mike? Anthony Pettis hasn't shown us much in the last few years to give me the confidence to think he can be the gatekeeper like Kiesa. So until pretty much like you, Bobby, until then, I'm going to pick against him, especially with a grappler. Um, Yeah, dude, has got a finishing move, too. He climbs on your back and chokes you out. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to be the uh, odd man out on this one. Um, I think all the criticism is completely fair and justified. Um, I just... We talk about Kiesa as the the grappler, but he's also a guy who likes to scrap too. Like he's not afraid to go in there and you know uh, throw down with Anthony. And I think that could be a mistake if he, if he gets too aggressive and Anthony's able to really utilize his kicks, which is his best weapon. Because I don't think in a punching firefight, Anthony has the the uh, the heavier hands in this case. I think uh, um, Kiesa might you know uh, you know plant his feet a little bit firmer and throw a little bit harder than Anthony. So if they just sit in the pocket and start swinging. I think uh, Kiesa will win those exchanges, but I like Anthony maybe being a little more tactical in this fight. And I think we all know, like we, every, every one of you guys said, like 
this is a fight Anthony should win. We we've seen him fight more credible guys and, and just smoke them. Um, but and like like you said, Bobby, it seems like it is more in Anthony's head. He's just not performing like he used to. Um, even though his last couple fights, he did show a little better, right? I think the Dustin Poirier fight, he eventually got injured and lost the fight, but he was looking pretty aggressive back to his old self in that. Um, but yeah, he has to show something here because I think the questions and the non-confidence is justified at this point, and he needs to kind of prove us all wrong. Um, but I, I, I think he's going to be able to do that against Michael Chiesa. I think he's the caliber of fighter and the stylistic uh, approach of fighter that Anthony could do well against if he utilizes his foot movement and doesn't get ca uh, caught against the cage. So I'm going with Pettis. Um, it, it's going to be a tough one, though. All right, Mike, you got that. Three picks for uh, our guy Chiesa, one for pretty Tony Pettis over there. Um, Mike, let's go to you. Uh, opening the main card, Rage and Ally Quinta uh, and Paul something something. Paul the Irish Irish Dragon. Irish Dragon. I apologize. That's not a bad I don't Irish, know Irish Dragon and has no accent when he does commentary, by the way. Is he's he American from, Irish or is he Irish Irish? I mean he's from he's from Philadelphia. So he's Okay. Yeah. Um Mike, this fight we looks like we got a pretty much a pick 'em here. Minus one fifteen for Al, minus one oh five for Paul. Other places have it at one thirty five plus one oh it's pretty much maybe a slightest slight favorite for Ally Quinta. What do you got happening here in this one, Mike? Who his fucking internet just died? Yeah, if you picked the wrong person to go. Fucking internet died. All right, I'm gonna talk because I um, in terms of who's on this card, there's nobody I want to win more than I want Ally Quinta to win. I want Ally Quinta to win, and I want him to give him a fucking microphone. All right, Ally Quinta for being the broy douche we all thought he was. My man is woke to the bullshit of MMA. Any interview he does is excellent. He knows he's not buying any of the UFC's bullshit. He's part of this thing with Leslie Smith with Project Spearhead. Um, I was talking to Mark earlier today where I said, man, I wonder if they talked to any of the other lightweights on this card because Al is Al and Paul Felder are both ranked decently enough that they could have thrown either of them in there with Khabib. But there's I don't care how many fucking fights Ally Quinta wins. They're not going to give Ally Quinta a title shot. Uh, on top of all this, I think Ally Quinta is fucking great. Dude has a great record. Um, he's got five in a row. He's knocked out four of those people. The other one is Jorge Masvidal, which, quite frankly, probably didn't deserve to win that one. His overall UFC record is one, two, three, four, five. Six. How many? Somebody help me do math. Dude's got two losses and a whole bunch of wins in the UFC in the best goddamn division. Um, I got Ally Quinta, um, and I think he's going to knock him out because that's what Ally Quinta does. Mike, I was turning to you to explain to go first on this one, but uh, I picked Ally Quinta. What do you got in this one? Mike, and just, gotta stop going to Mike. Mike's Mike Mike's got his fist up like he's giving us the black pants. Yeah, oh, here we go. Oh, okay. oh this is great. <laughs> this is wonderful. No, no, no. I don't have my. Fist. I'm I'm just trying to hear because uh, my internet's on a banner day today. It's a quarter of what you said, Bobby. Uh, uh. I'm assuming call on me. Yeah, you're up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. My analysis will be nice, short, and sweet because, frankly, I don't think uh, my internet's going to hold up that long. Al Iaquinta is still fighting Rage at the U.S. And I like Rage as a motivating factor, so I'm going to pick Al. 
Oh, I'm, uh, I'm cracking up over here because in my head I'm saying Mike's analysis isn't short and sweet enough because all he has room to get out is a single name. But yeah. uh, anyways, since I'm talking, I may as well just go. Um, yeah, I'm with Rage and Al as well. Um, Bobby is a man that likes to watch the world burn if he wants to see a, a mic get in this guy's face. Um, that's going to be chaos. But it, the, the, the fucking boo and me is probably my all-time favorite like in-cage meltdown. So, um, Rage and Al indeed. Mark? Yeah, uh, rounding it out, uh, going with Al too. Um, but I'll just say, you know, uh, Paul Felder is coming yeah, this into is his a, own. This is a pick em fight, man. We're all going yeah. one way on it. but yeah. And I mean, I, what, what you'll give to Paul too is that, you know, his last three wins, I think he won by knockout in all of them. Yeah, they were TKOs or KOs um, in the first or late in the second round. So, I mean, dude's been putting in good work. It's just, you know, Al's credentials kind of speak highly for him, you know, even with a two year layoff we saw from 15, uh, 2015 to 2017 and almost a year in between his last fight, um, still more confident that Al's going to get it done here. Um, he's kind of has the record to kind of show that, you know, Paul Felder's within the realm of guys that he's going to be able to handle. So I think he'll be able to get it done on Saturday. All right, man. So wait, did you pick Al just right there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm saying. <laughs> I'm surprised all four of us picked one guy when it's this close of a fight. I'm going pure. I'm, I'm going pure emotion here. Now, Mike, I'm going to ask you to give us a breakdown of this uh, uh, Carolina Kowalkiewicz versus Felice Herrick fight. Being that your internet is failing us at every level, when I start waving my arms in the air, that means your shit's fucked and stop talking. All right? Now so, so here, here's the funny thing about that. I've been trying to manage my internet as best I can on this end, and I actually took off the video of you guys to try to make my internet better. So you waving your hands isn't going to help much. <laughs> We're going to get a Patreon just for people to buy Mike better internet. Mike, go ahead. What do you got on this one? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have a Kovokovitz in this fight. Um, Felice Herb's been really good um, in the last two years or so. I think at the podcast, um, I may have said right around the time that the uh, the, ult the last Ultimate Fighter with uh, Rose and all of them was in it, um, I may have said that Felice Herrig is is super irrelevant and she doesn't matter at all. The only reason anyone knows anything about her is because her her best buddy became the champion. But she's turned it around since then. Uh, she surprised us with a few particularly the uh, Alexa Grasso fight. Um, she's still been essentially the same fighter. Um, she's still aggressive. She still has a very good ground game, but her uh, her striking has gotten a lot better in the last year and a half, two years. Uh, Kovokovic, on the other hand, uh, is on another level. Um, she's kind of like uh, Joanna Champion Light, and um, she... I think she has what two losses i think maybe in the ufc she's beaten the the current champion and beat her pretty convincingly um i've really enjoyed the run on um it's been good to finally see her get some recognition especially from idiots like me but i'm still gonna pick kovokovic in the all right uh despite calling calling kovokovic kovokovic I'm agree yeah, with Mike. That's pretty close. I'm, I'm gonna agree with Mike. I don't understand why you guys aren't just going with Carolina as it is. A, oh, yeah, I'm going. I was gonna say I'm I'm I'm, I'm going Carolina because also. We uh, are 
Because Michael wants to go with a name that he really cannot okay. pronounce. It's not professional yeah. to mispronounce someone's name. In a world where Mike's every fifth word Mike is saying is choppy because of his internet, adding new syllables to the mix for fun really seems unnecessary. Um, I got Kowalkevich or Carolina, if we're going to go with that. Um, the uh, Felice, by the way, is famous because she shows her ass on the internet. Yeah, I was going to say, was... in defense of Felice, she is not famous because... Of yeah, her friend winning a belt. She deserves a lot of props for getting her name out there when women's MMA was not taken seriously. Like she, Grant, was, yeah, she was really good at self promotion in a time when no women fighters were known. So I give her props for that. Yeah. Um, in fairness, but, I didn't know who the hell she was until the Ultimate Fighter. Okay. Um, I got. I, I don't. I think she's gotten better, but Carolina is really good. I don't think she's good enough to be Carolina. That's really it. Step on. Um, same. Uh, Carolina, she gets the award for me for, I think she's the most adorable person in the UFC. Um, just everything about her. She's very adorable. But, uh, I, I will say the Gedalia fight, a lot of shine came off her in that one to me just because of how quickly Gedalia, uh, dispatched her. It kind of made me think that Carolina is, you know, there's tiers, right? You have this championship level tier. I think she's the tier right after that, unfortunately. But I would say Felice Herrig, Herrig is the tier under that even, so... High level gatekeeper, you know, props on her for a late career resurgence, but Carolina should be better across the board. I mean, also, she's got a win over the champion, and if she wins on this card, you know what I mean? Wouldn't be bad for her. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I think we're all on the same page here. I think Carolina is just the, the better fighter. Um, Felice has shown a lot in the last year or so. She has a nice string of wins. And I think really even, you know, looking past her record, you know, a lot of the names that she's lost to recently, you know, are are, are of the higher caliber, right? We're talking about Torres. Uh, we're talking about, I mean, I, Paige Van Zant. the shine has worn off a little bit there. Um, but a lot of the girls that she lost to are of high quality. But I just, yeah, Carolina just, you know, when you, when you go on paper, she's just the better fighter. So got to go with her. Um, all right. Um, those are the fights we're going to pick. But this card is a goddamn banger. Um, I like, I want to watch all the fights on Fox Sports 1. I'm in for all of that. Dunham, Olivier, Aubin Mercier, Joe Lazon versus whoever that is. I don't care because Joe Lazon fucking broke a dude's nut when they were training apparently two weeks ago. This is a career uh, check moment for Joe Lazon, though. I'm trying to figure out, Stefan, if this is like Joe Lazon is getting a fight to get back on track or this Grutzenmacher guy. Okay, no, this is a fight to get Joe Lazon back on track. That's, what I say, that's, that's why this is a career yeah. check. If Joe yeah. Lazon doesn't win this, he shouldn't keep doing this. Yeah, um, Ray Borg versus Brandon Moreno is going to be a lot of fun. That is going to be just a good time. And you got Carolina and Felice on there. I mean, if Fight Pass didn't fail us so miserably, I would have still had Fight Pass at this point to watch, you know, Bruce Leroy take on uh, Artem Lobov. Artem, Beck I'm Roll a real fighter, Lobov. Yeah, Artem, I'm a real fighter, Lobov. Uh, Beck Rawlings is on there. Um, this guy fighting Zabit something or another has got enough... He's got like a 45-letter last name. He's probably from Dagestan. I'm sure he's a badass. He's you know? probably the Magomed Sharapov is the biggest favorite on the card. Yeah, I, I bet he throws the guy in the air like a pizza pie, okay? Like, this is a – this is – we've had a month for because all of us didn't watch Fabricio's card except for – I think Mike watched some of it. Um, I haven't watched the UFC card in a month, and I'm able to – I was able to get really excited, and sure, that hurt me. Remember when I was texting my buddy Max, like – four or five days ago about how excited I was for Tony versus Khabib and this whole card. But shit, man, this is like, I enjoy, I don't want this to feel like work. You know, I mean, this podcast is fun in general, but like, I don't want MMA to feel like work. Stefan's talked about it for a while, but this is like 
We're comfortable missing more and more shit. This is awesome. This makes it, this is what you do when you get like, like people who are like complaining about like, oh man, it's been so long without a UFC card. No, this feeling you have right now where you are excited and you've built up anticipation. That's what this is. This is an event sport. All right. This isn't just, you know, it's a Tuesday. Let me turn on the warrior game type shit. This is an event. And you make these events meaningful by doing build up and loading them up with proper fights and letting be getting people time to get fucking excited. And that's exactly what happened here, in my opinion, as I go on my rant, um, which wasn't totally intentional. Um, Stefan, we got to we got to reintroduce our weekly segment or weekly whenever Bellator has a card, which is what is Bellator airing? What is what, what is Paramount Network airing instead of airing Bellator uh, on the West Coast? Uh, what is it this week, Stefan? I looked it up, and uh, the, you know the kind of key things I told you is you have to look for a movie that, on average, has a two star rating out of the five star rating system. It's probably an action movie, and it's probably from at least twelve years ago. And uh, coming up is The Expendables Two. That is the one I mean, not with Rhonda, if I remember correctly. I believe Rhonda was in the third one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, also. You know, it's a, it's Paramount is going to get you not the first fran- movie in a franchise. They're going to get you like the second or third sequel. The one where everybody's like, why are we doing this? That's the one they like to air instead yeah, of live I was going MMA. through the guide um, for the rest of the week in the lead up to that. At no other point are they showing the first Expendables or Expendables 3. So it's not like this is Expendables week and we're going to show you them all. It's just Expendables 2. I mean, whichever one had the cheapest rights. So you got to air what you got to air, man. Um... So yeah, um, that what's what's the main event of that card though, Stefan? Uh, Worth mentioning. I, it's, it's the only fight that matters in a card that's happening in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, but uh, once our uh, the once and future king himself, uh, Benson Henderson, is fighting Blast from the Past, Roger Huerta. Uh, Roger Huerta's on a one fight deal, where he did that on purpose. He wants to prove himself, and if he goes out there and beats Benson Henderson, that'll prove fucking something. But bad if he beats Benson Henderson. Yeah, I don't know. I um, <laughs> can't get a win anymore these days. Yeah, I love Bendo. Um, uh, shout out to, since uh, I don't know how often I'll ever get to mention. We'll talk about Bendo again. But uh, one of my all-time uh, most unintentionally funny moments in the history of MMA was that countdown episode where they were showing his nice old Korean mom competing in her first jujitsu competition, and the cut is her starting the match, and then it immediately cuts to her holding her arm, and you're like. Oh, Benson's mom. See, for me, with Bendo, I'm thinking about the time when Bendo lost to Michael Chandler, and me and Mark are at the press conference, and as we're leaving, Mark tells Bendo, don't worry, Bendo, it doesn't matter if you won or lost, the fight was good, or something like that. And Bendo said, thanks, Marcus, but I don't think he meant it. Just want to want It did not seem like he appreciated it. He appreciated that, Mark. Mark was just trying to fuck with the... No, Mark was being Mark was thinking being too short sighted. You, yeah. you gained he gained me as a fan in that fight in a losing effort than he would have if he if he snoozed up another decision win. So that that's my personal yeah. prerogative. That's I'm why sure Mark is going to watch. But in his head, he's he's actually thinking, "I'd rather have the win bonus than this." Game. He also he also tore his ACL in the middle of that fight or something too. So there was a lot in the man's mind. In fairness to him, and he got German suplexed by Michael Chandler about four times. Um, is it that rest of that card's trash, right, Stefan? It's a it's a Bellator card, man. I, I don't know who any of these people are. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but I really think they maybe should have put on a card one of these five weeks there was no UFC card. You know, 
that seemed like a time to do something. Just saying. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, let's do memoirs of a fight fan, which Stefan has become the master of picking these ones. Uh, and he's chosen what is the fight we were most disappointed by, right? No, I've, I've kind of had a negative twist on uh, some of these uh, picks lately, but it's been a negative time, so I got a lot on my mind. But yeah, um, off coming off the heels of the uh, best fight that never was, it made me think of well, what was a what was on paper a great fight that was, but boy, did it not live up to the hype. It didn't live up to the billing. Um, I got a bunch of them, and I'm pretty sure you guys are going to say the same ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there's one that sticks out like a fucking... There's one with a goddamn bullet point right next I mean, to a man that I'm... Well, one of them <laughs> is involved in two of my picks, um, and that is podcast, personal, fan favorite. I love him as a person. I love him as a fighter, yet he's going to be on two fights I mentioned. Um, and that is one Nick Diaz. Um, his fight with Carlos Condit. Bobby, his famous last words, there's no way this could be a boring fight. Dude, do you remember how angry I was? Like, I was so angry. I remember when we went and saw um, Chronicle afterwards. And I remember I was still annoyed after the movie was over. And I'm like, ah, it was okay. And you told me, Bobby, the movie was really good. You're just still angry about the fight. I remember that. <laughs> I mean, the defense of the fight was... Well, Condit, he he's fought a smart tactical fight. It was a you know, and everyone the only time ar- ever who made that argument did not like Nick Diaz because yeah, that's right. He made a tactical fight. That doesn't mean it was entertaining. It doesn't mean that this is why we wanted this fight in the first place. I I was so excited for that one, man. Like so goddamn excited. That was. <laughs> That was like the worst one. And while he's <laughs> out for- there, I'm, I'm also just going to throw it out there because it was entertaining for very bad reasons because as a fight, it was garbage. Um, but that was the fight that our man Mark booked himself, and that was Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva. Um, there were phantom nunchucks. There were laying on the ground and posing. Uh, there was a lot of shenanigans, but there was not a lot of fighting in that fight, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of good gifts and memes. The memes were hot for that one. There were some great memes, but the fight itself wasn't good. Um, one, I mean, when I'm saying I'm disappointed, it's not just about build up. It's more so just like of how shit went down. And Stefan, this is for just me and you. We're like, it was the ambiance of the moment where you and me drove to where I live now, Walnut Creek, to go to a sports bar to white to fight, uh, watch Quentin Jackson versus Forrest Griffin. Which we were really excited to watch, if you remember. And then the main event. And then, like, we to this day, I will argue, Quentin won that shit. And then, like, people were, like, I don't know, the whole vibe of the bar. It just bummed me. I remember, like, that was another one where I was just unhappy when it was over. We both were. We had to go to Chili's to get a burger to feel better. Do you remember that shit? Man, that Chili's is like a financial institution now. I'm like, what did you do with the kitchen? What did you do with the ovens? Like, why are you, why are you, like... Charles Schwab now. Why would Charles yeah. Schwab buy out a Chili's? Anyways, yeah, it, it, that that fight was a letdown. Um, it just kind of it uh, just kind of sucked how it happened. Um, yeah, you say there it, was. You can kinda, that's actually a nice uh, subtitle for a lot of uh, Rampage's career. It sucks how it happened. I was gonna say there's about nine BJ Penn fights like that, but none of them were really like. I didn't expect that shit to go down. But yeah, that those ones. You said the one that's the Nick Diaz Carlos Conant one was one that I was just like, God, why? Like, come on, man. Like, that's all I wanted. 
Like I was so so goddamn excited for that one. And so just... while we lost Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit, it's why I'm not like oh man about it. Is like I've seen Carlos Condit not scrap with a guy who likes to scrap. <laughs> he he I, did I, it I, one I, time. I've seen, I've seen how this could go. <laughs> he did it exactly one time, but it's always in the back of your mind. You're like, what if that Carlos Condit shows up? You don't know. You don't fucking know. Um, yeah, I I though that one stuck out to me so much that I I. Yeah, I said the other one. Mike, you got anything? <laughs> I do. And um I know probably uh the theme of this and probably the feeling behind it was a fight that has a lot of build up and just really doesn't live up to the hype. Uh the fight I'm gonna mention, there was a lot of build up for the fight. We all made fun of the fight. We all thought this fight was gonna be horrendous. We all thought there's one of the people in this ring has no business being in the ring. Uh, this fight happened on Bellator. Um, and it was a highly promoted fight between uh, these two people from the same neighborhood, from the same walk of life, same rough, could, rough and tumble. Mike, say the fucking fight. Atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to build it up, man. Come on, man. Let, let me work. It's also you're, you're also ignoring the entire topic, but sure. Go ahead. No, no, no. Here... Hear why. It was Dada 5000 versus Kimbo Slice. <sighs> the fight, none of us thought was it was going to be good. And somehow it exceeded our expectations and our disappointment in the fight. I remember watching it at, at the bar and people were dying of laughter. I was dying of laughter. And then right after I finished laughing, I, I literally felt deeply disappointed at the fight I just watched. Uh, it was just just really not good MMA. Uh, I thought for a second one of the people was going to die in the ring out of 5,000. And mainly just because the man shouldn't have been in there in the first place and it looked like he was just going to die from from being tired. Did, it, did you feel, Mike, like and this happens every, I think, feel once every six months with the Bellator fight where you're like Man, what are we even doing here? Like, what? What are we? What am I watching? What's going on here? <laughs> that yeah, I'm, I want to. I want to. I want to say I feel that way every six months with Bellator. Uh, oh, they, I feel it every six they, months. They make some. <laughs> they make some really just what what type of card is this? Um, kind of events, but I don't often feel this person should not be on TV throwing punches and you know throwing kicks. Uh. You know, like the last uh, Heather Hardy fight was kind of like that. But, I mean, the Dada 5000 fight, it was just an ex exceeding expectations on the lower end by by a mile and a half. Mike, can I say I'm a little surprised with uh, your pick? Because you started going down the road, and what I thought your pick was going to be, because it is one of the most disappointing fights of all time, in my opinion... I thought you were going to go, because it's also, this fight that I'm about to mention is so closely tied to your origin story as an MMA fan. You did not go with Black and Black Crime of Rashad Evans versus Rampage Jackson. Oh, God, that was disappointing too, Stefan. This is just a bummer of a topic, Jesus. I'm surprised you didn't pick that, because that was a garbage fight. There was a lot of clinching. There was a lot of punching to the knee. And how did Rashad know to punch his knee? And then Rampage just being gassed out of his mind, except for like that 10-second well period. Well, the reason why I didn't pick that one was because I basically mentioned that fight last week. Because remember, last week the topic was um, the best fight that never was. That, that yeah, you and Bobby. <laughs> those fights that did happen. 
and I try know, to I try to stick with the topic this week, stuff, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> I did I did stick with the topic last week. I picked the fight the, the fight I wish had happened were younger Rampage and younger Rashad. So Mike wanted the time machine. So that was what too, I wanted. But you wanted Prime Randy go to. I did too. I met. I'm, I'm trying to. Did not I'm, I'm trying to fix it this week. I'm trying to fix it. Mark, let's go to you. What uh, what fight just made you just left a bad taste in your mouth? Well, I mean, you guys, you guys picked some some fights that definitely disappointed. But Child's Play, those fights had some action. I'm bringing to you the most boring fight of all time. This is early UFC. I'm this pretty sure I rented this fight. on VHS. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, okay. Fight title. This is the 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 highest echelon of mixed martial arts at the time. We have a rematch against Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn. These two guys scrapped before, and Ken, I think, beat him fairly quickly with a guillotine choke, running it back. We got 45 minutes of dudes circling the cage. Yeah, we got we got some we got some rule changes, right? These guys touched each other in that fight. I remember my dad recorded it because you know we're we're doing the black box back then, of course. And I asked him before I saw it, I was like, man, was that Ken Shamrock Dan Severn fight good? He's like, no, it was not. It was very boring. <laughs> and I start watching it, and these dudes are circling each other. And I'm like, you know what? Let's get to the good stuff. I don't have all day. You hit that fast forward. You're seeing them circle. You're waiting for something to happen. <laughs> don't happen. Nothing happened. I don't even know who won that, that was. Marcus, that was the one where the famously right before the fight, they told them you're not allowed to throw close fist, right? It was that one, right? They I changed all the rules. I don't know if that was a rule. That would be a very strange. I think that was it. No, that was. I think that was what happened. I think they tried to change all the rules right before the fight and, and see because that seems very weird. And even then, I mean, Ken was a king of pancreas. They didn't have close fist back then. He still got shit done there. Yeah, but yeah, that was an atrocious fight. And that's not the last time Dan uh, Severn really snoozed me out hard because another one, not as high profile because, um, I mean, I think a lot of people don't even know this fight happened. This was an early Pride fight with Dan Severn. I think this was like Pride 2 or something. He fought Kimo Leopold. What's that? What's, what's Kimo's last name, Bob? Leopoldo. Do you remember? Leopoldo. Leopoldo. Same fucking shit, man. He rolled that back. He said, look, you thought that Ken Shamrock fight was born. Now watch me walk around in a ring this time. That was another snoozer. Um, so uh, getting into more of the 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 hype for the fight, uh, not really matching, you know, what we got in there. Uh, a couple of fights come to mind. Uh, one of the big ones for me was uh, when Gilbert and Eddie Alvarez were finally going to fight. That was a dream fight for me. These are two action fighters that I've uh, appreciated and were a bit was a big fan of for a long time. To finally see these guys come head to head. It was one of those fights where, you know, you see it so much with the heavyweights. Like, oh, this fight can't go to decision. This fight can't be boring. And, and we got a pretty snoozing fight uh, out of that. Yeah, let's send, let's send them to fucking Mexico City. Let's put them on top of a goddamn mountain. Make them fight where they're sucking wind within two minutes. That made a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it was really <laughs> disappointing. Um, to be fair, Bob, they were lightweights known for their cardio. So if anyone could have thrived in that environment, they thought it would be them. I get it. Yeah. Um, I got one. Uh... I thought Brock Lesnar versus Alistair Overeem was going to be a lot more fun than it was. I didn't no, – none of us knew how out the door and how much Brock was fucked up from the stomach thing. Um, So that one, I really was excited for that. I mean, it was just two big motherfuckers are going to crash into each other. That I mean, one had a great was, body kick knockout at least. <laughs> no, no, it ended cool. It ended cool, but it's just – you know what I mean? Like I really – Brock just felt so compromised in that. You know what I mean? He didn't seem like – I had like he was all there. Sorry. 
I had one more I wanted to mention, but since you mentioned that, now I'm going to mention two. Um, and I always mention this because it's so conjoined with that. Your beard bet with Mark is one of the most disappointing matches <laughs> in the history of the MMA. We got, we got to do another one, Marcus. We, we got to disappoint Stefan again. I'll I, save it right before I the fight again. I was going to do TJ and Cruz. You would have won that one, but you, you didn't like Why it. Why didn't we? No. No. What, what, was that the one we were going to? I would have no, done I that one, too. Like, uh, today TJ is the Cruz, day. You're like, nah, I don't feel I so comfortable with Cruz. Preemptively. Um, uh, well, sorry, one more I want to, because Mark maybe can attest to this, um, it kind of was just the disappointing Mark to the rest of his career, because boy, did it tailspin hard. Um, I was really, really disappointed with Jason Mayhem Miller's debut against Michael Bisping. Yeah. Mayhem Miller was coming off of the peak of his career, where he had some success outside of the UFC, bully beatdown, had a good following. He had this whole thing on Twitter, you know, he had like a very good uh, social media following in the early days of social media. He called them his mayhem monkeys. He said, get ready for my walkout. I'm going to do something special. He came out to a EDM song of a burgeoning Calvin Harris, not quite total global icon like of the EDM industry. And what did he do? What did he have prepared for all his fans? He stood there and he clapped. He clapped for 10 seconds and then he entered the cage. And I'm like... This is what you wanted us to get ready for. This is what you were sending out, like APBs, like you were putting the world on notice. And then that fight, there was like a full round where I don't even know what you call it, Mark. Maybe you know it's where Michael Bisping was sitting up against the cage and he was just quarter mount. He was yeah, mounted yeah. up <laughs> over his legs for enough to nothing to happen. It was just a nothing of a fight, and it's just mayhem. You know, I guess in hindsight, you knew he was he he was pretty middle of the road fighter, but. As a personality, he was larger than life. He had really built himself up. He got me excited about it. And just everything from entrance to fight itself due to the rest of his career there forward, that was just disappointing. I'm actually trying to look at... You know what? I'm trying to look at Share Dog's list of most disappointing fights. I guess Bonner Griffin 2 wasn't any good. Don't even remember that happened. It doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his list. I was gonna say Maya Anderson. That was real middling. I like. I didn't think that was. I didn't. I don't know what Max being. I thought that was cool, but when it didn't lead to anything, I was like, all right. I mean, I guess it's like Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort too, because it got, that ended so quickly on that weird cut. Yeah, I mean, that... I, 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 for me personally, a bad fight is not one that ends quickly because at least they're not wasting my time. A bad fight is when it's long and boring, and I'm like, I don't want to be watching this anymore. If you get knocked out quick, or you get, you know, a, a fluke knockout or a fluke cut. It sucks. It's disappointing, but hey, at least you got in there and you got out. You didn't waste too much of my time. We keep the show rolling. What, what do you consider the uh, Mir and Crow Cop where it's bad up until the very last second where there is a sudden improbable knockout? You know, Marcus, it, those were a lot of people are, a little bit. Marcus, a lot of them are po po people pointing out Josh Barnett versus Mirko Crow Cop. How one of them got a shoulder injury and like I kind of fucked the fight up. Yeah, I mean they weren't they weren't great fights, but they weren't bad either. I mean. That was just a foil. Like, Crow Cop is Josh Barnett's foil. That dude cannot get a win over him. It was really, as a, as a Barnett fan, that was tough to watch. Yeah, um, I was I was somehow disappointed by Overeem and Verdum 2. While my expectations weren't oh, yeah. high, it was like the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, that was a real frustrating fight. That was like impressively stupid fight. <laughs> it's like everyone's and, frustrated. The fans are frustrated. Overeem's frustrated because he keeps going to the ground. Verdum's frustrated because he's not going to the ground with him. Nobody won in that fight. And uh, Bendo and Cerrone 3, given how the first one was an incredible fight and the second one, Bendo finished him in like a minute. 
The uh, third one wasn't yeah, I, great. I don't, I don't like people calling it disappointing because it ended fast. Like I've seen yeah. people say, Call "No, no, I meant, I meant the third one." Disappointing because he got knocked out, and I'm like, "No, that's spectacular that he got knocked out immediately." No, I'm talking about the third one where just nothing happened with Bendo and Cerrone at all. Um, all right, guys, before we do stuff we like, I'm gonna give you guys. Um, this is a big weekend, not just for MMA. Um, it's a huge weekend for pro wrestling. And uh, uh, you would think I'm just going to talk about Brock and Ronda. I'm not. You kind of know what's happening there. Though, um, something worth mentioning is for all the shit Brock Lesnar gets, when Brock Lesnar we thought was leaving MMA, he got on the microphone and said goodbye to everybody and thanked all the fans right after Overeem kicked him in the fucking gut. And someone else doesn't seem to manage how to know how to fucking do that. And she needs to be handled with kid gloves. And uh, it's a bad look. But anyway, I want to talk about shit I'm actually, I think people should actually watch. And by people, I mean Mike. Because Mike looks like he's like maybe three minutes away from just being a goddamn pro wrestling fan. And I know Mike's going to watch WrestleMania. Mike, I'm going to implore you to maybe don't watch it live. But when you get your one month subscription, you need to watch NXT TakeOver New Orleans, which is happening Saturday. Uh, the same time as UFC 223. Because this shit is a goddamn banger. And... It's, I'm just going to run through it real quickly. Andrade Cien Almas versus Alistar Black. Alistar Black's entire gimmick is that he's like a Dutch kickboxer that loves uh, death metal, I'd go with. Would be the best explanation I could go with. And he throws a bunch of crazy kicks, and Cien Almas is just an incredible worker. That's going to be awesome. Shayna Baszler, um, still very green. She's fighting for the Women's Championship against Ember Moon. Um, we're going to have some, we're going to have a, Three-way fight between um, the Undisputed Era versus the Authors of Pain versus Roddy Strong and Pete Dunne. That's going to be a great match. We're going to have a six-man fucking ladder match between Adam Cole, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Ricochet, and Velveteen Dream. You guys have heard me talk about Velveteen Dream before. Maybe the most entertaining character going in pro wrestling. Um, and Ricochet is making his television debut, or I guess on-air debut, and for lack of a better term, Ricochet can fucking fly. This dude gets more air than anybody I've ever seen. He does a uh, a 540, um, which, Stefan and Mark, if you're imagining that, is when you do a 450, but keep going and hit like a senton on a guy. Um, I know what extra degree rotations mean, Bobby. Oh, how, they, how he lands. I understand um, how spinning works. Uh, and then uh, a fight which l they have somehow managed to, have a, to book a nine-month uh, a program in pro wrestling, which is really hard to do in 2018. It helps when one of the guys tears his ACL in the middle. But Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa have the best feud going in at least the WWE product. And they're going to go at, they're going to go at it. And it's going to be great because Johnny Gargano is maybe the best wrestler in the world. So I implore all of you, Mike especially, to watch NXT TakeOver New Orleans. I am thrilled. I am actively excited for that shit. I think it's going to be great. I'm going to have two TVs going. So. Um, and this is just a side note. If anybody knows how to watch Ring of Honor and not pay $25, why don't you hit the It's an Amazing Twitter account? Because I really don't want to pay $25 for that. Um, let's do stuff we like. Uh, Mike, let's go to you first. Sure. Uh, I probably will get that free trial of a WWE Network uh, to watch WrestleMania. So uh, I'll watch that NXT show. Um, that black death metal guy doesn't really do it for me but whatever oh he's awesome i'll, I'll, I'll see what he's out to mike you're um, gonna like velveteen dream 
Oh, everybody likes you Velveteen Dream. Like Velveteen Dream. <laughs> everybody likes Velveteen Dream. <laughs> but uh, the thing that I like this week is science. Um, specific. Oh, this is gonna be good. I'm gonna I'm gonna just sit here and enjoy this. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Specifically, that we've been to the moon, we've split the atom, and also yesterday, for the first time ever. Male birth control has passed safety tests, and now we're going into actual human clinical trials. I would like Mike to expand on this because it's going to really give us a look into his life. So, Mike, what makes you so excited about this? This is a family podcast, Bobby. Mike doesn't want to wrap it up, folks. It's pretty simple. Okay, he wants to. He doesn't want to wrap it up. That's what we got going on in this podcast, folks. Mike, Mike telling you how he hits it, and he wants to hit it raw. You guys happy? <laughs> That's the podcast this week. I just want to we say, should just I, end. I don't know too much about this. I haven't heard anything about it. But I, me, and I'll speak for it's amazing. Still wrap it up, boys. You can still get a lot of diseases yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, that was going to so, say. So, please wrap that, it up. That, that's if you're out there just winging it, you know, to every girl at the bar. I'm a one-woman man. That's good. That's still. Cool. I still don't want to send the message out there that this is going to yeah. solve a lot of your, uh, your, your well, Mike is here. problems you could run into. There's a lot of diseases out there. you got to protect your well, as the boot. Well, Mike... Mike pretty much just went out here now and said, don't wear a condom. Mark and I, and I'm sure Stefan too is saying, wear a fucking condom. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> until I, you, I, until I, you, until you don't have to. Well, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> as Michael Scott would say, there's a different sensation, you know, and, uh, <laughs> especially for the man, it's hard to know if it's for the woman as well. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of the office lately. That shit is always on, but, uh, <laughs> But, but Mike's right. When you're in a committed relationship and you've both been tested and you're clean, that, you know, that, that that's something where it's appropriate. I just don't want to sending the wrong message out there and some guy saying, thanks a lot, it's MMA. Now every time I pee, it burns. And I, all I, can think of is <laughs> I always go to my local MMA podcast for uh, sex advice. It's like, yeah, man, I was going to get a condom, but, you know, fucking our boy Lavender Goom said, nah, man, the clinical testing is done. Just pop a pill and go to work. Hit it hard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My, Mike, are you just on Google News trying to think of something? You're like, oh, I know. Let's talk no, about a no, pill no, no, that no. makes it you can I, fuck uh, without a condom. I've actually been following this for like the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> they've been talking about the results of this clinical safety test. We're going to be coming out soon. And they just came out yesterday. It was on my Yahoo feed. I saw it on, on, on Twitter. Yo, man, I got my ears to the streets with this pill, man. I mean, Mike, I mean, if you let me tell you how the internet works. If you search for something, you will keep getting <laughs> you will keep getting news about that topic. That's how this works. Hey, but you know, we don't get a lot of uh what we like in the medical field, so I gotta appreciate Mike going outside the realm of TV, video games, and movies and, and throwing out some stuff. I wasn't aware of. I didn't know they were working on that stuff, and it's going into to trial. So that's cool. But just you got it. There's a lot of things about sex you need to know. Get educated. Know where you're at. Make smart decisions. You know, that's all. Look, I'm guys. Look, guys. In the 1960s, when the birth control pill hit the market, that caused a sexual revolution for women. It liberated them in ways sexually that they had never been before. 
just imagine how liberated men will be. Sexually. I was gonna say, Mike, in 2018, Mike, if Mike, you think men need a sexual liberation, I think yeah. you've uh, not heard about this Me Too movement that's been going on. If yeah, you Mike, men need to be unlocked. I think you are a little out of touch in society. Guys, yeah, Mike, ha guys, hashtag guys, times up, Mike. Guys, hashtag guys, times up. Guys. <laughs> you stepped all over the goddamn joke. You gotta let that one sit, Mike. I'm not sure if the sleep deprivation's gotten to you at this point. We gotta work but... on you guys' comedic timing. All we, right? got, we gotta work on. We gotta play with Mike's bits. You know what he's saying? If Phil's coming out. We gotta play with his bits. Make sure we all get on the joke. It's cool. I mean, hey, it's it's good stuff. You know, more unwanted. You know, less unwanted pregnancies. That's all good stuff. So that's and... right. You got you guys got me here all exposed with no protection. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you Jesus want though. you don't need it anymore, Jesus like, Christ. You don't need it anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ alright Stefan you go um, my stuff is something I like but unfortunately sometimes I don't like the things I like um, and what I like is seeing movies uh, I've been seeing a lot of them lately and I have a, able to add a couple more to the list um, and one of them in particular has me had me very upset uh, I am talking about the sequel to a, a sleeper hit in my eyes called Pacific Rim. Um, I saw Pacific Rim 2 Uprising starring uh, one John Boyega, who I like. You know, we saw him in Attack the Block. He's had a very uneven performance in these Star Wars movies. But in general, I like the dude. Um, I did not like the sequel. Um, everything about Guillermo del Toro's first, you know, movie, it's, it's not for everyone, but... For me, it was a perfect movie. What that first movie, Guillermo made a love letter to mecha anime, to kaiju movies. Um, it was just such an homage to, you know, your Ultramans, your Godzilla, you know, Power Rangers, anything, Voltron, whatever. All that of those whole genres. Um, the sequel is when Hollywood execs see that and say, how can we use this to sell more toys? Um, any of the heart any of the homage it's all gone it's like blatant commercialism terrible dialogue horrible like you know there's a suspension of belief with movies like this but uh there was a lot of dumb shit happening it, it was a really poor movie um and one thing i mentioned to mark maybe this is me getting older um but the blatant disregard for human life in this movie was a little over the top for me they were like battling in like downtown metropolitan Tokyo, and I swear to God, millions of people were dying. Like one scene clearly established that none of the buildings were evacuated, and then there is a sequence where uh, John Boyega like topples like eight skyscrapers into this monster that does no damage, and it's like, ah, shit. Well, that didn't work, and I'm like, oh yeah, all those people are really glad you just knocked over all these buildings for no reason, like. There's a lot of human life, and it was like no even remote little like second thought. Like, yeah, we are using people as weapons here for no fucking reason. Um, terrible, terrible movie. Absolutely disappointing sequel. I don't think it's even worth seeing. It doesn't. It doesn't. You don't need to see it to believe it. It was a bad movie. Um, the other movie I saw was based on a book I read in back in 2011, and I liked it a lot. Um, I don't think the book has aged well, unfortunately, and. The t a time old thing of books are always better than a movie is it it, it, it still remains. Um, I saw Ready Player One. Um, I, I the the book was a very fun nostalgia trip. 
the movie didn't do it for me. There are a lot of issues with it. Um, some of the nostalgia was fun. There were some fun action sequences, but everything they changed from the book, I get why they had to change it. I didn't necessarily like the changes. You know, I get why you have to change something. You know, Game of Thrones, the TV series, they've had to change things, and some of the changes were better than the book. Um, but when the changes are all worse, in my opinion, that was lacking. Um, the love story was very underwhelming. Um, it's doing pretty well critically, I guess. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to, you know, unify those two things. If, if the book meant anything to you, I guess it's worth checking out. But um, from those who I've talked to who've also read the book, um, we could have done without that movie existing. Man, I didn't even know that shit came out. I thought we were still like a couple weeks away. I was waiting for you to say, let's go see this shit. Because I know you were excited for it. It sucks that it didn't pan out, though. Yeah, I, I really love the book. I remember I kept trying to get Mark to read it, but Mark don't want to finish no books. I, I started I'm not hurt it. By it. What, what I think's interesting about the movie's reception is that it's it, it's what you're kind of saying. So like I don't we don't read a, I don't read a lot of books and this was one of the, besides this and Game of Thrones this was the only book that you were like Mark you need to read this and I start and I, I didn't get too far into it but what I read I really enjoyed because I mean it harkens to our generation and our pop culture and our geek culture kind of stuff and what, what I find so interesting about how this this movie seems to have alienated that fan base so much that I feel because before this movie like when this movie was announced and before it Ready Player One was. I think looked upon extremely favorably with a lot of people. And now that it's been kind of commercialized and it's almost what I would, the sensation I kind of get from people is like the nostalgia that they, they kind of flooded in this movie almost seems cheap in a way, even though it's a, it, it's a critical part of the book, right? The book is all about this world that was almost built on, you know, eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties, geek culture and stuff like that. So you need, and I think even when they announced this movie, why I didn't think it would it would really resonate is because like how are they going to get all these these references and stuff? How are they going to work with all these licenses to get all the different characters and stuff they talk about in the book? And I, it seems like at least watching the trailers that they do a pretty good job in that aspect of getting lots of IP notable things from you know our geek culture and kind of throwing it in there. But it almost seems like it ultimately makes it just seem kind of cheap. I guess is kind of the sentiment that I've been kind of hearing. And I guess overall the movie's kind of. I didn't. I don't get the the feeling that it's bad. It's just that it's not superb, and it kind of fits in that kind of middling ground, and it kind of just tweaks people the wrong way. That's kind of the that what I've been hearing from people, and I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really give a hard judgment. But yeah, it. it I, I don't feel super compelled to see it too. Right, it came out this weekend, and uh, you know I didn't make plans to see it. I want to see it eventually, but it wasn't one of those things that really jumped out at me. So it doesn't seem like it really landed as strongly as the as the book did with a lot of people. And I think it's kind of hurt people's perception of the book now, right? Because it, it seems cheaper, I guess, in a way. At least that's what I've been feeling. Fair enough. Um, I'll go because I know Mark normally does. A much better, deeper in-depth job of this, and mine's kind of short. Um, I'm, I'm just going to have to make a goddamn wrestling podcast the way when I'm talking about this, but shit, man. MMA's been boring for months. I've been watching wrestling. Uh, my favorite new YouTube show, because as my friends know, I watch a shitload of YouTube shows, um, is, a, is, a ch- is a channel called um, The Nobodies, and their show is called Nobody's Watching Wrestling. And um, it's three people. Um reviewing wrestling and they are three drag queens so you got lady barica lady barica andrews ariel italic and dj accident report 
DJ Accident Report is not also a drag queen. He is their star DJ. So, um, this show, the show's great, man. It's like I, they're all fans to some level of the of the of the sport of the sport, the product, and the it's pretty much just a show where they're just like shitting on people's outfits, and then like pointing shit out that like I don't even think about. We're just like, oh yeah, that person definitely got a nose job, and they're like pointing shit out there. I'm like, this is compelling as hell. And then you have like there's a there's a segment every week called uh, Sasha's Weave Watch, where they break down how Sasha Banks's weave looks like on the episode they watched. And I just really enjoy the show, man. It's funny, it's interesting, and uh, Ariel Italic always when the first of the show starts, she always says, "All right, there was like eight matches. We don't have time for that shit. We're gonna talk about three of them." I always appreciate that. Putting that shit right up front street. And it's just a really good show. It's hard to like, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's drag queens reviewing professional wrestling. It's a real niche market. And um, they got like 7,000 subscribers. But they do live shows and shit now at uh, bars in New York. Which, if I come to convert Mike to this show, then Mike's going to go and tell me how their shows are. Because I would 100% go. This looks like the most fun fucking ever. I would totally go. So yeah, nobody's watching wrestling. It's good, man. Check it out. Uh, quick question. Uh, this is neither here nor there, and it's really probably only Mark. Um, did anyone take up Little Caesar on their uh, free pizza offer? We talked about oh, it. Oh, uh, we talked about it, Mark. <laughs> I really told Mark. I'm like, Mark, you're going to go, right? Didn't work out. Didn't go, yeah, though. It huh? was <laughs> the type of Little Caesar pizza that I like, too, because the regular it's, one's not so good. Square pizza, the square right? pizza's good, and it was the pan pizza, and I, I should have. There's not one close... I, I have to be in the right mindset to eat Little Caesars. You have to be in that, like, I've either have done really good eating and I can eat a bunch of garbage, or I just feel like garbage, so I eat garbage. And I was not. I also was going to say, it, 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 it should be your end of your day, true. too. It's legal now. I was so high that <laughs> it just seemed like a good idea. Oh, man. At those times we've gotten, we got Little Caesars and watched the fights, I remember thinking, this is really not good. Like this is really, really, it's a five really not good. Large pizza. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's like Seven yeah. Eleven prices, so you have to. Get I literally deliver here, but I chose this one. I mean, I remember thinking, man, we're not better than a lot of things in this world, but I think we're better than this. <laughs> they were not good. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, n- not a whole lot on the game front. There is one indie game that looks kind of interesting. It's called, um, I think it's called Minute. Uh, and basically, it's a it's a uh, indie game. It I guess it's kind of in the vein of Zelda. It's like a top down uh, adventure game, if you will. Um, and the whole premise, it kind of has the mechanic that was seen in. Um, oh shoot, I'm totally forgetting the N64. What was the second Zelda game that was? In? Oh, Majora's Mask, where it kind of has like a Groundhog's Day kind of thing, where you basically go back in time and keep reliving the same uh, the same sequence of time over and over again. But this gimmick is that you only have a minute, right? Your character dies in a minute. So you're basically doing little things to advance the story a minute at a time. Your character dies, you restart it and do it over again. Um, seems interesting, uh, but nothing that's like super compelling or that I'm personally really excited about. So the only thing I wanted to mention this week, I was reading, uh, there's a couple, uh, comic lines, uh, that I read and a couple, um, actually came to an end this month and the first one and, and they're kind of they both i felt differently about both of them the first one was uh called america this was a solo comic uh, for marvel for uh america sanchez uh she was a character that marvel created in like uh around like 2011 or so and i always really liked the character i thought she was really cool um this solo series personally 
uh, wasn't super strong for me. I didn't find it really all that interesting. There's definitely like some some arcs that didn't really land for me. Um, but I love the character, and I'm ultimately glad I uh, got her solo series. Um, the other one, it's funny. It's the Defenders, and what's funny about it is that the comic is really good, and I really liked it. Unlike the show, that it kind of sparked its uh, popularity. Uh, to, to run the comic book series. But yeah, I mean, it's basically Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones um, just being a little small superhero squad in, uh, I guess, is it basically based in Brooklyn? I don't know where in New York those guys kind of hang Hell's Kitchen. I don't know where that is all located, but in that basic neck of the Mike. woods. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen is around 42nd to like 50th Street all the way on the west side of Manhattan. Okay, so it's not. It used to be a really well, pretty much that whole area used to be extremely shitty. Hell's Kitchen was really, really shitty, but now it's very nice. It's cleaned up a lot. I mean, with a name like that, it doesn't really scream like, "Oh, I love this place." It's so cute. Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I just want to say, like, the Defenders uh, series they did was really cool. Um, They had a lot of characters that were actually in the show. They basically bring back Diamondback. So it was the characters that you were kind of aware with. And in the premise of the Marvel Universe at this point, Kingpin is actually mayor of New York. And uh, basically Diamondback's trying to take over for Kingpin's position. And basically there's all the other superheroes that are kind of vying for that. Um, and then it's just the Fenders fighting them off. And there's lots of cool cameos. And it was just a really good series. Um, and it ended because Michael Bendis, uh, the writer at Marvel, is actually going to be writing for DC now. Um, and he was writing that book. So they kind of ended it off with him. Uh, but yeah, there, there's two different. That's a big deal, no? Wait, it was. Yeah, Bendis yeah, I mean, Marvel. They they took Bendis. That seemed. Yeah. I mean, I know enough to know that's a big deal. Oh well, yeah, and Bendis <laughs> writes a lot of comics. So when I saw that, and then they they, uh, I guess the comic book world, which I don't follow super closely, um, they kind of tell all the, they tell you all the comics that are coming out like uh, like three or four months ahead. So about like three months ago, they're like. Yeah, they're doing, uh, I think it was like they're doing April and there's no Defenders and there's no America. So they're probably getting canceled, especially since Bendis was leaving at that time. Uh, yeah, so he's. I think he's writing for Justice League for DC. I, I hear DC's killing it. Um, just as a comic book fan, I haven't really ever got into DC. And it's one of those things like I know I hear so much good things about what they've done. I think like the New 52 was supposed to be a really cool arc and stuff. And I'm just, I'm obsessed with enough things where it's like not being obsessed with DC stuff. I'm like... I'm cool with that. I don't need to have to buy like five more other comps because they're really good. But, but yeah, it was sad to see Defenders and uh, America end. But um, you know, new stuff will come along. You know, these series never last forever. But it was a good run for Defenders. Uh, just right, so boys. you guys, just so you guys know, Brian Michael Bendis, he is the one that created uh, the Ultimate comic series. Yeah, Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man and uh, Ultimate. Uh, Fantastic Four, and basically they had their whole different universe they're doing over there. It's cool, good stuff. He was a, he's I, 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 a great writer. He's done some really good lines. So, yeah, I think the only person I read more than him was um, the guy who made uh, Sandman and stuff, right? Um, no, not 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 Neil Gaiman. Um, Deuce uh, Ex Machina, or how do you say? Is that how you say it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the, um, I don't know who writes that one though. Okay. He, I think he also did um, Why the Last Man on Earth. Yeah, that was the same guy. Don't know. Um, Stefan, you know this guy's name? Help me out. No idea. We will never know. No idea. If you know yeah. and you're listening, send an email. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah, fuck, what's this the name? way I heard, I heard my name? Um, what's the name of the guy who wrote Why the Last Man? 
Oh, the comic book writer? Yeah. Um, Brian K. Vaughn. Oh, there we go. Okay, Vaughn, he's doing that guy's Vaughn, awesome. Vaughn, Vaughn, he, he's written a lot of good things. Yeah, I, I think uh, him and Bendis, I think I read the most of their stuff. Well, I mean, not counting Alan Moore and all. I've read all, I mean, most of his more seminal shit. All right. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about whatever the hell is going on with the lightweight championship where I kind of volunteered Mike for a case that may or may not exist. So Mike's going to have to contact Tony Ferguson or something. Easy. Um, done. Yeah. Just, you know, he'll take care of that between now and next week. No problem. Um, next week, though, we're going to be able to preview more fights, man. Another good card. Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. A fight I'm wor- I don't even like that I said out loud because I'm sure I just fucking doomed this fucking thing. But uh, Carlos. Oh, we got a replacement for. Um, we got a replacement for Matt Brown. We got that. We got diet Matt Brown. We got Tim Means in there. All right. We got lesser Matt Brown. Gonna take on Carlos Condit. Tim Means versus Carlos Condit. I thought Tim uh, retired. Is, is, or am I thinking of someone else who's like Tim Means? I, I think you thought of Matt Brown who did retire and then it came out of retirement and then tore his ACL. Um, this guy, this card's great, man. We got Israel Adesanya, who people are all hyped about this dude, the kickboxing background, made a great debut in his UFC, great UFC debut. Coming back on a quick turnaround here, he's gonna fight, um, dude named Marvin Vittori who I'm assuming is just there to get his ass whooped. Um, assuming the UFC's booking this right. And a uh, big fan of them, uh, one of our uh, favorites, Michelle Watterson's on this card against Courtney Casey. And my guy, Tim Boach. The barbarian, guys. He's still going. He's taking on Anthony Carl- Carls Jr. Um, Wilson Hayes, John Moraga. We got a bunch of fights coming on these days with uh, people who Mighty Mouse who whooped out their asses. Brad Tavares is on there. The Le- you should know Kami's back in the UFC. All right. I forgot it even happened. But yeah, we're going to talk about that card next week. We're going to figure out who the champions are at 155 pounds. That probably still won't make sense. We'll figure out who, um, if, if Joanna got her championship back or if we're going to send her ass to 125 pounds, which is where she should go. We're going to find um, out who Max Holloway actually fought after Khabib Nurmagomedov gets injured himself in the coming days. You guys, this is going to end. We're going to be like, so you're going to see the final image. It's going to be Ally Quinta holding up the UFC lightweight title. Everybody's going to be like, the fuck happened? Well, that one's gonna even. Everybody's gonna be so confused. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy UFC 223. It sounds like it's gonna be good. And if you're looking for wrestling, NXT Takeover should be great. So, peace out. See ya.